You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to another edition of the Brews and the Boys podcast brought to you by the Blogging the Boys podcast network, Shway Media and the Vox Media podcast network. My name is Michael Sizemore. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Sizemore. With me, as always, he's the man of every hour. He's too damn sweet to be sour. Mr. Tom Ryle. And we are sweet tonight. We are very, very sweet Because the Dallas Cowboys just wrapped up the third round of the NFL draft, the second and third round, I should say, and they have come away with a couple of really nice selections. And uh, just like the theme of last night, when when it just kind of fell the way it fell, Tom, the Cowboys were able to pick C.D. Lamb when no one in their right mind should have let that man get to the Cowboys, who already have an amazing wide receiver core. C.D. Lamb falls to the Cowboys, and they say, well, why the hell not? Go ahead and add him yep. to the receivers that we have. The Eagles are already having enough tr- trouble covering Amari Cooper. Now they can cover him too. Uh, yeah, it was. You have to give full credit to uh, Jerry Jones and the, the entire staff for sticking to their board and saying, "Look," as as Stephen Jones called it, it was a blinking light up there, and they yeah. went for it. And you know, it's it's got to be the most exciting draft pick the Cowboys have made maybe since another wide receiver name of Des Bryant. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, everybody's heard about the C.D. Lamb thing. That's been the all the talk all Friday was just how the Cowboys were allowed to make this pick and how how salty the whole entire NFL was over it. <laughs> you can go read uh, Trolling the Nation by our good friend One Cool Customer if you need to see anything <laughs> about that. But let's talk about the second and third round because it's like the theme yes. that was in round one carried over to round two and three. Yeah, just you're going to sit there, not going to entertain any trades. You're certainly not going to try to trade up because the the draft was mapping out nicely where you were getting a player that – probably was rated very highly on the Cowboys draft board. You have to assume that. And they just lay in wait and let it come to them. Yeah. And, you know, and then, well, on going into round two, you know, everybody was kind of watching it. But you just kept – there were a lot of players, even as they – like McKinney, Xavier McKinney got picked off. Okay. There still were so many players of value for the Cowboys. Yeah, I so, think that Xavier McKinney goes, and that's the first like, oh man, type of like type of moment where you're just like, oh, he's he's out. You know, that, yeah. that's a guy that the Cowboys were definitely targeting, possibly even in the first round if if all bets were off and they couldn't get a guy that they wanted. And but then you see the way it's going, and you say, yeah, but if Xavier McKinney is gone and he's the safety off the board, Grant Delpit goes shortly after that. 
but there's still so many good players mm-hmm. that the Cowboys liked. And, and it's like, why would we try to trade up and give up this opportunity when we feel very good about a great player dropping to us? And that's exactly what happened at 51. The Cowboys got themselves a fringe first round cornerback in Trav- Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. Yes. Yes. Um, which, you know, interesting bloodline. Uh, yeah. Since he's got a brother who will probably help him hone his skills a little bit. Yeah, if you're having Stephon. to cover Stefan Diggs, I'm yeah. sure you become a pretty good corner at the house. And you know how you know how brothers are. You know that you yeah. know they go out there trying to best one another. Oh yeah, I'm sure you there's know. been a couple of bloody noses after a few of those. But yeah, but, and but Trayvon but, Diggs was high on the Cowboys board, Tom. As a matter of fact, there there was talk that he was kind of the emergency washed out pick. If everything else got washed out on their draft board and they had to take someone because they couldn't trade back at 17, he was one of their options there. Yeah. And he was certainly an option for us trade back if they had to move out of 17. And to get him at 51 a whole round later, yeah, I'm going to take that one and take that to the bank and be very, very happy with it. I mean, why not? Because the patience that they showed to, you know, there was talk before today about how the Cowboys were, you know, coming up with some packages if they had to move up and stuff, because everyone felt that the way the second round, you know, I always feel that the second and third rounds of the draft are always the more interesting, meaty parts of the draft, because you, the first round, you kind of know where guys are slated to fall, and you get a couple of surprises like the Cowboys got with CeeDee Lamb, but you really, the second and third day is where you see the true value of the draft come out, and and everybody knew that, you know, this class, wide receivers, cornerbacks, and defensive backs would be a pretty, uh, you know, link, that there's a good depth at those positions, but to think that the Cowboys a week ago were saying, hey, if if all else fails and we have nothing at 17, let's just take that corner. We really like Trayvon Diggs and let's let's be happy with it. And they got him in the second round, 51. I mean, that's incredible. It's, it's almost like having, you know, a pick in the middle and a pick at the end of the uh, first round or more like a pick you know, in the upper third, you know, when you look at the value that Lamb had, it was a great one-two punch for them to put together. And and the key thing is they did what we were all thinking they were going to do in the first round. They helped the defense. They yes. went and got themselves someone to bolster the uh, the uh, cornerback room. Yeah, because in which the, everybody said they needed, you yeah. know, because they and in that second round, Tom. I mean, how happy were you to see a bunch of offensive players going first? Oh I mean, yeah, I was. I was just cheering it on. You know, I mean, that was you just, didn't want to see good you know, players down to you. Yeah, and that was that was exactly what had happened in the first round. It happened all over again. Mm-hmm. We didn't get quite the stunner, but you know, as I was uh, saying, you know, if you consider Ceedee Lamb a grand slam, I think. Trevon Diggs is kind of a good solo homer, you know, or maybe a triple, you know, actually yeah. really good, a really good player. And I, I, you know, I can't see people being too unhappy uh, unless they just didn't get their guy. And even then you have to say, well, he's pretty good. 
Well, like. yeah, and let me let me give credit where credit is due to our, our our great friend of the show and blogging the boys buddy Danny Phantom. He has been on Trayvon Diggs for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now he didn't necessarily say that he would want Trayvon at seventeen, but he did say if he fell if it everything fell the way it did and the Cowboys were panicking at seventeen, that he would be okay with this pick. And here's why: if you want to look for a corner. With the, with the upside and the traits and the characteristics that you want in a Mike Nolan defense, a hungry player that attacks the football, you're not going to find a cornerback that gets the football more than Trayvon Diggs. That he goes after the football. He gets the football. He is, takes it away. He plays the position like a receiver. And yes, he's only, you know, he's a very inexperienced. He's been playing corner for, I think, just a, just a couple of years now. But he yeah, has, he started yeah. started out as a wide receiver. Yeah, he started out as a wide receiver. So there you go. Tom just laid it out for you. The reason he plays the ball like a wide receiver is because he used to be one. So you got Trayvon Diggs. I just think Trayvon Diggs for the Cowboys secondary, uh, big big win in the second round. Big win when you know in most cases you would be sitting there trying to pick between a guy, a couple of guys you like. When I really get the feeling that Trayvon Diggs was somebody the Cowboys loved. Yeah, I think he was really high on them, and I think they have to have been just thrilled to death to have to have gotten on the clock and see him still sitting there. Now, now, Tom, I know that you don't. Um, to continue a little bit of our discussion on Trayvon Diggs before we get into the third round, I know that um, you don't, you know, read too many t- uh, scouting reports until we get right down to the you know nitty gritty of the draft, but. I mean, most folks are are, are kind of high on this pick. They're thinking that the that the Cowboys kind of needed to come out of this draft. David Hellman said that he believed the Cowboys needed to come out of this draft with players that can contribute immediately. Yeah. And it seems like Trayvon Diggs is on his way to a starting role with the Cowboys. At least, at the very least, he's the be- the third best cornerback on the roster. Yeah, I don't think there's any any question that he's going to be. Contending for a starting job with the nickel, and you know if he doesn't get the starting job right off the bat, well, okay, we'll be all right. Uh, I think he will certainly have a, a role to play, and you got to have depth as well. So you know it's really I, I just can't see them as being unhappy with this. Anybody that does is just like, well, guys, give it a chance. I think he's going to work out fine. Yeah, uh, were there any guys in the second round that you perhaps were um, really hoping would would be a cowboy, um, or was Trevon Diggs the guy you wanted all along? Um, I just got to ask: were, were there some guys out there that you thought, man, I, I would love to have had this guy? McKinney may have been the one guy that uh, I kind of yeah would like to have seen. And he's and but... he's the safety. And who did who ended up getting McKinney? Which team ended up oh, getting? Hang on, I got to flip back. I got to flip back <laughs> there. I got to look back up and go up here. Uh, see here, he went to. Did I run past him? I can't. Yeah, he went. He went all the way up at thirty six, and he went to our beloved rivals, the New York Giants. Yeah, God. Ugh. That's right. He gets to come in, and, so he gets to come in and try to cover. Mr. Lamb. Yeah, well, tough shit. Uh, that's that's, that's going to be easier said than done. Um, 
You know, I, I think that once once we got down into the second round, you know, there was probably a couple of guys that the Cowboys were were targeting. I know that um, Zach Bond was a big target, uh, like possibly a big target for the Cowboys. But I think that the corner outweighed the defensive end there, and I think that um, Diggs was higher on their board than him anyway, um, possibly on their board than than what Zach Bond was. Um, but as that pick was coming you know, coming down to the Cowboys taking digs, you just saw that, wow, the Cowboys, like last night, were going to have, like like the first round where they were able to choose between two players they really liked, they were going to get to do it again because they had guys like Fulton there and Bond there and Diggs there, and they really got to make a pick right there, and they went with the, they went with the corner. And I don't think this is necessarily a pick uh, you know, it is a it's a pick for their need in a sense that they went and addressed the cornerback position. But I don't think that out of the second round, there's much better you could have done than getting a guy like Diggs. Yeah, I, as I said, this was a borderline first round option for the Cowboys. Yeah, correct. And how can you complain? Uh, you know, he's I just don't see he's I just don't see him being someone they're going to regret taking. Yeah, and, and I mean, and think about it this way: like the, the Cowboys, from what they've been doing in these in, in these first two days of the draft, they've got to be feeling great because their rivals in the Northeast <laughs> and Philadelphia are ready to burn the city down. Uh, let's talk. Let's take a moment before we move on to the third round. Let's talk about what the Eagles did, please, Tom. Regale yeah. us. Two, you know, of course, the Eagles were upset because they wanted to trade up for C.D. Lamb and jump ahead of the Cowboys because they were a little worried and their worried, you know, worries came to fruition. They were upset about that. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, OCC did his trolling the nation and they were just livid and about we, the and fact. We can't, we can't plug that enough, guys. Go read that, please. Go yeah, read that. and so they were, you know, the Eagles apparently decided that having to trade their second round pick um, to get up ahead of the Cowboys wasn't worth it. So they hung on to the second round pick and they came up two slots after uh, the Cowboys selected digs and they drafted quarterback Jalen hurts. And it's not, it's not so much that, well, okay. Hurts is kind of a maybe quarterback. It's what are they trying to do? (laughs) Yes, exactly. When you got needs at receiver, major needs at receiver. They could have taken two receivers. In fact, a lot of mocks had them take receivers. They need defensive backs. They need a lot of different things because that team that a couple of years ago was miraculously made their way to a Super Bowl win, that is not the same team. They are they they won the NFC East last year by default. Um so yeah. it, it it just wasn't a great day and if you are if you have any time to go check out BGN Bleeding Green Nation Watch, just just sit there, sit behind like a little, just be as quiet as a mouse and watch the world burn. <laughs> because be warned, it is not suitable for work. It's not suitable <laughs> for children. It's not suitable for anything. Yeah. But I do got to give credit to our, our guy, Danny Phantom, one more time, because when we were all questioning, why would the Eagles go and get a quarterback? Tom, you had mentioned something about... Um, about I you you had like stepped away for a moment and then you said 
the greatest, you know, they already have the greatest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl on the bench. And then Danny's <laughs> reply was, well, it sounds like the Eagles are trying to get Carson Wentz another ring. <laughs> and can you imagine that? Isn't that a great, great message, you know, yeah. to tell to Carson Wentz? Man, you are the man. You are our quarterback. And we're going to draft the guy that's going to fill in for you when you inevitably go down. The only thing I can say after that, after those that exchange between you and Danny was, Dan, you win the night. That's it. <laughs> right there, you win. The, it just, I, I don't understand, you know. Maybe Jalen Hurts turns out to be a pretty good player. A lot of people have doubted Jalen Hurts in college, and he has done a pretty good job for himself. He was a runner-up to the Heisman Trophy with Oklahoma, but I just I don't see I don't see the the draft strategy at all in what the Eagles no. have done, and I don't no. see how they got better. Um, and, in and fact, in the Frank, first round, you could make you could have made in the first round, Tom, you could have made arguments that. They chose the wrong receiver. They chose Jalen Rager instead of Justin Jefferson. So it's just, it's been, it's been, a, it's gone a little bit awry for them. Um, and we love it. And we love it. Yes, because you know what? They spend so much time obsessing over us. We'll spend a few minutes talking smack about them. Now we move on to the third round. And I think that what was the most interesting part about the third round was yet again, Tom, the Cowboys were sitting there. And they had a lot in front of them, a lot of decisions that they could possibly make because guys that they didn't expect to be around were still around at the start of the third round. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, this was one where you saw some people that you really were thinking, uh, man, if they could just do like CeeDee Lamb and keep dropping. Uh, Zach Bond was one that everybody was really interested in. And, you know, he was a borderline first rounder for for some people. And he made it all the way to pick 74 before the. Yeah. Yeah. And that was such snatched a, him up. That was such a heartbreaker. Um, you know. Yeah, he was he was one that I think a lot of people were kind of hoping was going to hang around. And you had some other people that might have been interesting for the Cowboys, like Julian Aguara and mm -hmm. uh, Ashton Davis. Terrell Burgess. Out. Yeah, and they were taken before they could uh, before they could get there. And uh, uh, Justin Madwike was another guy that was maybe going to slide enough for them to be interested in. And it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if he'd hung around. Yeah, because, uh, because we know the Cowboys, Cowboys like them. Yeah. Sorry yeah, for interrupting. But when the Cowboys went on the clock, um, you know, there were still some good options left. Oh, yeah. And and so you want to go ahead and announce the pick or shall I do it? Um, well, <laughs> let's just say who I'll, I'll say who's on the board. And I'll let you announce the pick. So the Cowboys, you know, they had lots of guys that they were sitting there looking at. Jordan Elliott was still available, the defensive tackle. They had uh, Curtis Weaver. It was mainly there was a lot of value in that defensive line, and the Cowboys chose. They chose Neville Gallimore. They got him another Oklahoma player, a teammate of C.D. Lamb, um, a defensive tackle, and uh, you know he's described as a one gapper, mm -hmm. and he's uh, supposed to have a really good motor. Um, didn't have a lot of production. You know, so he he wasn't the perfect choice. He didn't get a lot of sacks, 
and there was a you know a feeling that maybe he should have uh, produced a little bit more in that aspect. But then you have to remember we're talking about pick eighty two. Uh, yeah. It's a little, little bit harder to get a walk in starter, and you know this is a team that that signed Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe in the off season, so they weren't drafting this guy to roll him out there week one. Yeah, and, and at this point in the draft, in the third round, the edge rushers that were left, Curtis Weaver, a couple of guys um, that you might be high on, but most of them were all unfinished products. You know, all of them were kind of yeah. guys that would need a little bit more time to get ready to be starting. Some of them would need to put on weight um, just to be able to play yeah. in the NFL. Um, so getting yeah. Gallimore here made a lot of sense when you think that Gallimore can kind of step in immediately and play a role Kind of, he he has favorable like comparisons to the former Dallas Cowboy Malik Collins. Yeah, uh, and you know he's he's three oh four, which is a pretty good weight for a three tech. Yeah, and you know hopefully at some point he will get into an NFL weight room. You know, yeah, um, that kind of that was one of the other things that got sidelined was all that NFL level training, but, but um, you know he he's a good. The way to look that I like to look at it was brought up because I was kind of uh, listening to a lot to the draft uh, on 105.3 The Fan. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Dane Brugler that was the one that was mentioning it. I, you know, get their, lose their name, their voices a little bit. uh, But I think they asked him. And he said that all three of these picks had one thing in common, and that's that they were taken about 10 spots later than he had them slotted in his big board. Uh, he said he had um, C.D. Lamb at 7, and he got taken at 17. I've seen, you know, the Cowboys said they had him 6 on their board. I know Connor Livesey had him at 6. Bob Sturm had him at 6. So, you know, he came in about 10 spots behind that. That's great value for the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Same, same thing with Trevon Diggs. He was slotted somewhere around, you know, 35 to 40. He gets taken at 51. Uh, great value there. And lo and behold, Neville Gallimore, he's up around 70, 69, 70 kind of player. Mm-hmm. So uh, once again, you're getting value. You're getting a player taken later than the people that are ranking them on these boards say they should go. Yeah. That and, to and me is. To, sorry, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, and to that, to me, to do that as consistently with all three of your picks, especially with, because, you know, the closer to the first round, the, the the first pick it is, the harder it is to do that. So CeeDee Lamb was a big win in that, and Diggs and Gallimore were also wins, and that says that the Dallas staff is doing something right. Yeah, and um, just to further, you know, you know, further drive your point home a little bit, uh, for all of you folks out there that subscribe or read Pro Football Focus, I know a lot of folks like Pro Football Focus. A lot of folks don't like them. But whatever whatever it is, on the PFF draft board, CeeDee Lamb was ranked 6th, Trayvon Diggs was ranked 31st, and Neville Gallimore was ranked 51st. Mm-hmm. So CeeDee Lamb falls <laughs> to 17, Trayvon Diggs to 51 when he was a borderline first-rounder, and Neville Gallimore, who was a was a surefire second rounder by most draft boards, fell to eighty two. I mean, yeah, that and is that's quality. Yeah, you just you just can't. 
if you're doing that round after round after round, what it does is it just increases the chance that you're going to, to, to hit on a draft pick. Because let's face it, even first-rounders can bust. And the deeper in the draft you go, as a general rule of thumb, the more likely it is that the player is just not going to work out. Yes. So, you know, getting through the first three rounds and getting players that actually look like they were valued higher than that to all these outside evaluators, that's that says a little something. Because one thing we found out that uh, there's there's guys that have survived and continued to do this, you know, ranking of draft picks, and they've done it because they've established a level of credibility. And exactly. when you see so many of them agreeing on this stuff, it's a positive sign. It's not the be all and end all. No. That's going to be determined when we finally get these guys out on the field and see how they play. But it's good to have. You know, now we're coming up on day three. The Cowboys have four more picks. There's not a lot of likelihood that they're going to hit on those. But it's going to be great to track and see if they're still managing to catch people that are falling past their actual value. Yeah, because when you look at most drafts, they typically have a theme for teams that are doing well. Um, Like I said, PFF, Pro Football Focus, Mike Renner, who's one of those guys that people respect um, in the draft world. Mike said with CeeDee Lamb and Trayvon Diggs and Neville Gallimore that the Cowboys are ripping the doorknob off this draft. Every (laughs) every pick they made were much higher on most draft boards. So yeah. when you look at it, if you want to, I think the only pick that that most folk, uh, that some folks were just kind of like not as excited as they were about was this last one of Neville Gallimore because defensive tackles um, on the board and defensive linemen that were on the board at the time, one in particular, Jordan Elliott, um, people, there are some that would have preferred a Jordan Elliott, but to me, Jordan Elliott is a guy that was a one-year starter who had issues at Texas getting back on the field due to inconsistencies, went to Mizzou, was a one-year starter, and mopped the floor with less competition that he played, yeah. lesser competition. Yeah. Now, Neville Gallimore played in the Big 12 where most people don't even know how to play defense, okay? Yeah. And he did very well. The production may have not been as high as you would want, but this is a guy that was going up against much better competition, and he's got more notches on his belt in terms of experience and a guy that can a guy that can give you some snaps immediately and you know i want to give a little shout out because our our own connor livesey who's on one of our does one of our fellow podcasts at uh, connor nfl draft Draft. yeah uh he put out a draft guide and he in his big board that was an interesting thing you know he had cd lamb is six um he had he had a uh, uh, Trayvon Diggs at forty on his board, so he was pretty happy with those picks. He must be pretty excited about Neville Gallimore because he had him ranked as the thirty second player in the entire draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> so exactly, well, there's a little, little bit of ice cream. There may be something there, you know. So the. I, been a while since I've gone. We've gone three rounds into the draft. And you really haven't had that pick where you're going like, well, yeah, we'll just have to accept that one. These are all three very good picks. This is the best start to the draft that I can remember in a while. And I will get, I will say my piece and then I will give you the floor for the finale before we get out of here. 
What I want to say is that I looked at this draft the same way as guys like David Hellman, and I think, Tom, you looked at it as well, is that the Cowboys made some very, you know, very telling decisions this offseason. They decided that they are paying Amari Cooper after last year deciding that they were paying Tank, they were paying Elliott, and they paid the linebacker, Jalen Smith, maybe a little early. Who cares about that? They come into this year, they decide they're paying the quarterback, they're paying their wide receiver, but they're going to have to let some high-priced free agents go. They had to let their sack leader from last year, Robert Quinn, go. They had to let their cornerback, the best one on the roster, go. They had to let their slot receiver go, okay? What they did in this draft more than makes up for some of their losses because they got guys, they knew that they had to go in after the 2019 debacle of a draft where Tristan Hill is your first pick and he gives you almost nothing on the field, where mm-hmm. you get almost, you get nothing from Connor McGovern, but there's hope for him this year. You only have one guy that actually produces and he's in a backup role, and that is your running back. That's your running back that you got in uh, the fourth round there. Like, that's your only guy that 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 contributed you had to come into this draft after what you've done in the offseason you did a great job in defensive tackle you had to come and produce in this draft and what the cowboys did is they didn't get feel pressure they didn't feel like we got to reach we got to get this guy we got to do that which we see teams do that every single year (laughs) raiders um they didn't do that they waited and they let they let players come to them and man did they did they hit they hit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty sad when, uh, you know, Tony Pollard, that was the name that you were grasping for. Yeah. Having done this long enough, I can tell when it happens to somebody yes. else. But um, when that's your best production from an entire draft class, that's, that's you know, 2019 was not a good draft for the Cowboys. I think Connor McGovern may help salvage that. This looks to be just a massive leap ahead. And I have to go back to the fact that this says that there is a real significant role for the head coach in the Dallas Cowboy draft scheme. And I think we saw in 2019, back in 2018, when they took Taco Charlton, that the coaches were coming in they were pushing some decisions, I believe, that were not necessarily healthy. No. This is literally, you know, we've talked about the mythical best player available. They really seem to be taking the best player available. With CeeDee Lamb, they did that almost purely. Wide receiver was a position of need, but it was third or fourth down the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they jumped on him. Uh, then they came in on day two and addressed the defense. They got the secondary. They got the line bolstered up, uh, and they've got four more picks to see what they can scrounge up out there. So yeah, and this the, is a. Go ahead, Tom. I was going to say, and this is just you know it's it's a great situation to be in. As I said, I think even if they really don't get anything tomorrow, yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. Even if they this, don't do anything, they had a successful cares? draft. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. If even if they don't do anything tomorrow, but go after guys with traits, Tom, who cares? Like yeah. they've done so well in the first three. They and they did it by remaining, you know, you know, diligent, patient, not losing their control. You can only control what you can control, and that's what the decisions you make. 
not letting others affect you and make you jump up or give up more value in an uncertain year to go and grab guys. You just kind of let it fall to you that way. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, Tom. Today marks our 151st episode. We've been at this for three years, my friend. Oh, my gosh. Three years you've been putting up with me. Yeah, time time's fun when you're having flies or something along those lines. Yeah, you know, you're not you're not a man of all the words and I can't even find people's names sometimes. But you know, we <laughs> do we do a heck of a job and I know from um from you Tom and I got to say it too, our producer who doesn't get a lot of credit but we got to give him some here. Tim, our producer Yay! who brought us together 3 years ago, gave us a platform, gave us a voice. And we ended up joining the SB Nation Podcast Network. We're so thankful for SB Nation. We're so thankful for our podcast buddies like RJ Ochoa, Tony Casillas, Kelsey Charles, Megan Murray, um, Connor, and Dalton. We are we are very thankful for where we are. We are very happy to bring you guys as much Cowboys news and Cowboys tidbits that we can every week. It's been such a wonderful ride. And we I look forward to many more, partner. What about you? I'm going to stick around for this until my voice just fails completely, I think. And then I will pay to have a new voice put in. (laughs) That's right, damn it. I'm the Vince McMahon of this podcast. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it is a late night. We've got to get some sleep. Cowboys, rejoice in the fact that your, your team has done some smart things. And rejoice in the fact that, hey, even if you didn't do the best, you're not the Philadelphia Eagles been a pretty good day good night cowboys nation bruise and the boys was created by tim Philippi and michael sizemore the show is a production of shway media and is brought to you by way of blogging the boys sb nation and as part of the vox media podcast network the show is hosted by michael sizemore and tom ryle and is produced and edited by tim Philippi. the show's theme song is by timmy two-step for more information visit bruiseandtheboys.com More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.